The National Archives UFO Project contains a wide range of UFO-related documents, drawings, letters, photos and parliamentary questions from the Ministry of Defence's UFO desk. By visiting nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash UFOs, you can access these files for yourself. Join myself and Neil as we discuss whether the National Archives UFO Project is a storehouse of invaluable information amongst which the truth may be found, or just another form of disinformation meant to both appease ufologists and distract them from information the government doesn't want us to see. And this week's episode is dedicated to our Explorer of the Week, and this week it is Israel. Thank you so much for supporting us, Israel. We really appreciate uh, the efforts you go to uh, to help us continue making this podcast. And if you want to help support us as well, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and find a tier that suits you we have all kinds of rewards and awards available to suit every pocket so uh, do have a look at that but this week's episode episode 133 is dedicated to explorer of the week israel Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast looking at the mysterious skies beneath the sea in those smoke-filled back rooms full of very secretive people and lost in those massive files that we have to wade through to try and find a, a nugget of truth. I'm one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. And I'm your other nugget, Stu Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Neil? Um, I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, I had, had a dental appointment today and it was a, oh. a, a follow-up root canal. Mm. Which I thought, because I had the the first job done a few weeks ago to relieve, relieve a toothache, and then yes, I had to do a lot of editing on that episode. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and had part two done today, and then at the end of it, I found out there's a part three coming up in a couple of weeks. So, oh god, that, uh, they get um, in terms of how bad they are, they they get milder and milder. So, you know, but you're okay. But, I mean, I, I remember. Okay. 
I remember the days of going to the dentist and like you wouldn't be able to speak for the rest of the day. Um, well, after I had part one, I couldn't because he stuck me so full of um, so full of anaesthetic that um, that uh, I, I yeah, my my mouth was actually drooping at one side, like I had a stroke, and it, I'd be sort of blowing bubbles with my slack lips as I, <laughs> as I tried to speak, so I, I couldn't do my job. Although I went into work, I thought, well, yeah, give it a couple of hours to wear off the usual. Today. It was fine. Today was fine. Right. T- today, I, you know, I, I now have an NHS dentist, and I can hardly, I can highly recommend it. I say hardly recommend. I can hardly recommend <laughs> Love Teeth or whatever other charlatans are out there doing it, drilling your teeth for money. Mm, yeah, get yes. get on the NHS if you can. I know it's not always possible given the state of things in this country, but uh, yeah. But we're coming up to a big event uh, in a couple of weeks' time where we can have our say. Yeah, I don't, election. I don't think I'm <laughs> going to get my say. I don't think we're having them around here. What, elections? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. The local council elections. and um, we're, I we're thought everywhere having... had them. Okay. Not everywhere, apparently. Oh, Not right. Not quite right. everywhere. Okay. Widespread, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you will uh, give them a piece of your... I give them a piece of my vote. Yeah, <laughs> or a piece of your withheld vote. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, now, speaking of governments, though, um, mm. today's topic is government-related. Because uh, today we're talking about the National Archives UFO Project. Nice segue. Very slick. I I try. I really yeah. do try. <laughs> um, yeah, so the National Archives, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is the official archive and publisher for the UK government. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if, if had you had cause to visit the National Archives? Not in person, but, you know, um, online. Um, I, I, yeah, a long time ago. I had a couple of friends who worked in the National Archives in right. Kew. Okay. So, um, yeah, and they are real sort of archivist types. That's Kew, the area of London, uh, spelled K-E-W, not Kew, the, mm-hmm. um, the one who gave James Bond line up. all his yeah. uh, gadgets. Yeah, there's, there's no actual <laughs> joining a line involved. It's Kew, K-E-W. <laughs> yes, west of London, there's a palace there as well. Mm. Yes, and yeah. and and some very nice gardens. Yeah, I was going to say there's a famous garden, which um, is where the well around the palace, of course. Yeah. Um, now the National Archives uh, UFO is up in Nottingham, so it's some mm. distance away, um, and it was um, basically set up in the most part by uh, Dr. David Clark. You remember we talked about him in episode eighty three, Neil, uh, vividly. I remember it vividly, yes, as if it was yesterday. <laughs> do you? That's better than <laughs> I do. I barely remember what I had for lunch. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so he set up the uh, the UFO project. So the MOD had set up a uh, a UFO desk. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, initially it was Winston. Uh, Winston ah, ah, words. It was at Winston Churchill's uh, request that it was set up. Mm. Um, that ran right the way through to 2009. Um, I think it was around 2008 that uh, Dr. David Clark got involved and started 
Started shutting it down. <laughs> Started <laughs> shutting it down. Uh, well, no, they. they uh, I, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure why they shut it down. To be honest, um, but someone else who we mentioned quite often on this show uh, was involved with that. Right. I mean, we can speculate, can't we? I mean, uh, probably budget had something to do with it. It may be budget. Um, it may be simply it wasn't achieving anything. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, but yes, it's um, so it holds the records of so so basically it was a hotline that people mm. would ring into and uh, and they'd report the UFOs they'd seen and that would get logged and quite often they'd have drawings pub you know put into the files and things like that. So UFOs were being actively um, investigated by the ministry. I was going to say, that I assume there was some kind of investigation. They were just taking taking calls and logging it. Is that right? Yep, we'll take that. Nope, Flying saucer scene over Milton Keynes. There absolutely, uh, absolutely was, yes. And, um, yeah, like I say, someone else we've mentioned a few times on the show Um my good friend Nick Pope. Oh, yes. Um, that was what he worked on. So his job was to answer the phones, uh, take the details of the people and pass them to his superiors. He claimed that his role was much more senior, as I recall. <sighs> he's very, very careful and, you know, credit where it's due, he's very clever about how he does it. And mm. he implies that. Mm. He implies he's he running it when actually he was a- yeah, he doesn't he actually say he did, um, but he implies it. And he's built a, he's made a lot of money uh, from mm. implying a lot of things. I'm not a fan of Nick Pope. I think anyone who listens to this show regularly <laughs> will be very aware of that. Um, but yes, that's that's what he did. I think he did it for about eighteen months or something. Um, mm. Yeah, logging the calls. Yay. That's quite a long time to do that kind of job, isn't it? Effectively a call centre drone or helpline. Um, I worked for TV licensing in that call centre for longer than that. Did you? I um, did. I did indeed, yeah. In chapeau, Bristol. mate. Chapeau. Hats off to you. Uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, it, it wasn't a demanding role. <laughs> so so people would, would phone this hotline and... Yeah, they would order jets to be scrambled, would they, from the sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it quite went to that. Um, so, yeah, basically, you kneel, you you would see a UFO, you'd ring the hotline, and you say, "I've seen a UFO." Mm. Uh, that was my attempt at an impression of you. Yeah, Apologies. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen a UFO. Blimey. I've seen a UFO. <laughs> 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 oh, God. I'm so sorry, Neil. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you'd be on the other side and say, oh, what? A, a bloody what? A bloody UFO? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me get my pen. I'll write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> listening to a mirror. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yes, you would, you would, yeah, you'd ring up. You'd go through to Nick Pope who'd say, yep, can I take your name and number because somebody else will call you back. Mm. Um, and yes, you would be, uh, 
you would chat to somebody uh, official. You would tell them what it was you saw. You'd give descriptions, dates, times, uh, all that kind of thing. And if it was a, a minor, just simply, you saw a light somewhere in the sky, um, that would be it. That's what you'd tell them. And they'd go away and they'd check it against uh, known flight plans of vehicles around that area in that time, uh, things like that. And a lot of a lot of reports were instantly dismissed. Hmm. Joseph, which is what you'd expect. You would expect um, the vast majority to be explicable, wouldn't you? Yeah. They're, they're actually they turned out to be identified flying objects or phenomena. But uh, but a lot weren't. Now, obviously, not all UFO reports are that um, that basic. Uh, mm. Some of them are, as we've discussed on this show many many times, um, some of them are rather more complex than that. People see specific vehicles that they can't identify as a man-made craft. They'll see mm. um, they'll see what looks like a vehicle landing in front of them. Sometimes they'll see actual alien beings as well. Here's the weird thing about the the National Archives uh, UFO project. You don't have any reports in there of those. Hmm. Which... For over 60 years, that would imply that nobody was actually making any reports. I find that a bit hard to believe. If there was a, a phone number and it was well publicised, maybe people knew about it. I don't, I don't remember people... a poster campaign or anything. It's in the UFO. Give us a call. No, I think it was more a case of, well, you wouldn't know who to report it to, so you'd report it to your local RAF base or something like that, and they would then give you the number or mm. maybe even transfer you. I mean, would people dial... I mean, I imagine a lot of people just dial 999, wouldn't they? That's, uh, that's for Americans, that's 911. For our Europeans, yeah. that's 112. <laughs> 112 actually works in this country as well, but 911 doesn't. Right. In case you happen to spot a UFO. Um, okay. don't, don't ring any of those numbers because <laughs> no. it's inappropriate. <laughs> no. Uh, go on the internet, uh, look mm. up who you're supposed to report it to. Actually, I, do you know what? So I'm going to totally, totally and utterly embarrass myself now with mm. all our listeners and yourself, Neil. Okay. I have no idea. If I was to see an actual UFO, I have no idea who I would report it to formally. Do you think that might be deliberate? But that I don't know who to report it to. Yeah, that it's not. <laughs> no one tells you who to call if you see something like that. Well, now it's interesting you should say that in terms of the closure of the UFO desk because um, there has been some rumours about the reasons for it closing. But we'll, hmm. we'll come more on to that. But I can I can certainly see a point whereby an official government department researching UFOs could have, until very recent years, been seen as a bit of a joke, as wasting yeah. taxpayers' money even, which is 
um, a crime punishable by um, by death. Um, mm. Yeah, so I yeah I can I can see that as a possibility. Now, of course, in more recent years where we've had actual disclosure from people like the Pentagon uh, that you know there are these vehicles in the skies, they don't know what causes it, and mm. that's it. Um, yeah, it, it's been taken a bit more seriously, but yeah, back ten years ago. You, you can imagine they've got this dilemma that's saying, well, in order for us to function, we need people to know about us. But if people know about us, then that will also include the government who will shut us down. Oh, although, even though we are part of the government, another weird government will say, well, the Treasury will say, wait a minute, how much is this costing us? <laughs> See, it all depends on whether or not the government takes UFOs seriously. And on the this, one hand, yeah, go on. I was going to say, as we found out during the pandemic, they don't take civil defence seriously in any form. So why they would take this particular aspect of it seriously is, uh, El- well, you can speculate. Elaborate. Um, what was it? In 2016, um, the government carried out an an exercise on what would be the effect of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And in fact, for some reason, didn't even consider the economic consequences of the country being locked down and work not being done. But uh, they were just looking in terms of casualties. Um, The report concluded that the country was woefully ill-prepared for such Mm -hmm. an eventuality, that uh, we have widespread poverty, we have a health service that's been run into the ground, we would really not cope very well. And true enough, a few years later, when the pandemic came along, we, it played out exactly as they they, they said. They, they didn't, um, although recommendations were made as a result of the what was what what came to light in the exercise, nothing was acted on. Mm. So you know, they really don't. I mean, we, we when. Um, when there was a, a more immediate threat of nuclear war, you know, they put out pamphlets, didn't they? Protect and survive, you know, hide under your, hide under your dining room mm-hmm. table, whitewash yeah. your windows to reflect the glare, the flash from the, from the, the nuclear weapon. Mm. Um, you know, civil defense, I don't think really is because we live in a, in a society that's known that hasn't been threatened for a long time. Um, another thing that came out in, in the in the pandemic was that societies that had faced emergencies more recently in living memory and had had to have everyone pulling together to to <laughs> to keep themselves alive. Mm. Um, countries like Vietnam, for instance, did very well. Mm. They, they, yes. they're, they're countries that are able to mobilise their population towards a certain a certain end. No questions asked. We don't have that. No, no. Whilst other countries around the world during the pandemic were closing borders and initiating strict lockdowns and quarantines, we had a prime minister coming on telling us, "Ah, sing happy birthday while you wash your hands." Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, mm. right. We anyway. will develop herd immunity. Yeah, so no, no serious plans. Certainly, no. certainly, as soon as someone said, 
I mean, no one likes paying for insurance, do they? You're just paying out money um, yeah. and hoping that the thing that you're paying to mitigate against won't happen. You're hoping that that money will be wasted, but mm. you resent paying it. And I can see that it's the same kind of thing. Gov- I mean, there doesn't seem to be a problem when it comes to defence. Oh, yes, we've got to have our armed forces, but there's also national prestige involved in that. Yeah. For things like civil defence, there really isn't. So I can see they said, well, yeah, we're just spending all this money on something that we hope will never happen. Well, isn't the UFO desk a form of, well, it, it's a form of national defence. It's part of the armed forces. Well, what I was thinking of when you mentioned Churchill, I was thinking, you know, during the Second World War in 1940, if you saw a UFO, you knew exactly where to go. You knew how to raise the alarm and mm-hmm. the sirens will be will be going off and the anti-aircraft battalions will be, be wheeling into action. Um, ready to deal with this UFO um, since the war, um, it's been not much less clear what to do if you see something, especially with the development of radar and such like. It, it's it's unlikely that something of terrestrial origin is suddenly going to appear in our skies. And I know that, that um, when we've talked about the US Air Force and their their response to UFOs. There's always there was always this threat that somehow um, a terrestrial rival might be able to come up with some way of getting under getting under the radar, mm. um, p- penetrating U.S. airspace with impunity, being able to hit targets and and get away. That, that was their that was their bigger concern than that it would be something from another world. And um, I just I think in this country we just rely on. Yeah, our forces, our, our armed forces, to, to do all that and not with no input from civilians at all. Speaking of um, emergency situations and um, and notifications, I have to say a little story of something that happened to mm. me yesterday. I was in the middle of taking my blood pressure mm. when suddenly, and I have, I'm, I'm an Apple products person. I have an Apple watch and I have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Both of them suddenly went absolutely crazy with this really loud siren going uh, off. I was wondering uh, what the hell was happening. Was it around about three o'clock? It was funny. <laughs> yeah. Was, didn't, was not prepared for that. Did not expect it. Um, it was not a good time for me to be taking my blood pressure because, it affected the results. I bet it would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what no, it's like when I get a fright me. in the middle of the process. I mean, that's that's quite an interesting... But the fact that they've installed this system, this emergency warning system, hmm. makes you wonder what they're, what they're mitigating against, what they're expecting. Um, but there we go. It, it did make me wonder that as well. I mean, does it work by... You know, if there's a threat in some area, say a flood, that they can say, okay, everyone in this area, we will send out a, a, an alert from all these all these telephone masts in this area. So any phone that's currently connected via one that's currently working from, from one of these masts will get this alert and be told there's flooding in your area, get I, to high ground or whatever. 
I have no idea. Um, by the time I'd released myself from the ceiling and mm. changed my underwear, um, I mean, the, I'd cancelled the notification and it had mm. So I've no idea what that, what it is for, but apparently well, a few people. It, it's an alarm and it's a text it. message. I mean, I mean yeah, if I expect, yeah, what do you do if there's a nuclear war? No one knows what to do. There's a, it, yeah, the, mis- a the missiles proper, are flying. Proper loud siren going off that mm. kept going until I stopped it. Mm. And I'd stop it on the on the watch and the phone separately. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that was a that was a thing. Um Yes, so this So so this 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 archive, this this national yes. archive. Listen, <laughs> they, they didn't record any reports of UFOs. That Oh yes! Oh, oh, absolutely! There are thousands and thousands of reports of UFOs. Okay. Um, when I say there weren't, I'm talking about physical encounters. Hmm. I'm talking about um, reports of the craft sort of landing in front of someone. I'm talking about uh, reports of actual beings. Hmm. There were none of those. None. Certainly not in the numbers that you would expect there to be compared to, you know, seeing lights in the sky. Hmm. It statistically doesn't play out. Now, some people have theorised that the whole National Archives UFO project is, in fact, a valid cover story. So a way that they can hide the actual legitimate information by saying, look, here it all is. Here's all our reports. Nothing else to see anywhere. No, no, don't look in that cabinet behind me. Mm. Nothing to see in there. You want to look in this cabinet. I mean, it's only kind of breakdown because where they have it in America with things like Project Blue Book, they would have, well, we've got this many reports of mm-hmm. UFOs uh, of which we were able to resolve this many to our satisfaction. We were able to identify them as as aircraft or some kind of light, something that's atmospherics, something like debris in the air, whatever. Um, so there's only a, a relatively small number amongst all the thousands where we could not say what it was, what caused it. Is there some mm. sort of breakdown like that in the... English, British National Archive? Not one that I've ever seen or had access to. Um, Mm. No statistical analysis Mm. uh, that I've ever seen. Um, No, it's more a case of you see a report, if you want a copy of that report, and, you know, by copy I mean be able to read it legibly, you pay a a fee Mm. and you can download it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. A lot, and of course, a lot of information is still redacted, which you would expect, and I don't have an issue with that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I won't say easily accessible. I mean, if anybody, speaking about Apple, if anybody has an iPhone or an iPad uh, and want the app related to this, uh, you can search your app store for UFO Files UK. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's on Android. Okay. I don't think. Um, but yeah, so I'm not. <clears throat> so, no disrespect to Dr. David Clark, who, who has put in a huge amount of work in getting this, this up and running. Mm. 
Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not convinced that this isn't some sort of obfuscation exercise. A way of hiding the actual truth. Um, any idea what sort of scale the operation was? I mean, how many people were employed on it? I mean, we're talking a, a few many. civil servants and yeah, yeah, a handful of people at any given time. And maybe people, if you don't like someone, you can promote them into this service away from your office. <laughs> oh, the Peter Principle. I've, I've certainly, I've certainly read that one of the reasons why um, undercover coppers tend to be such unpleasant people when they're when they're exposed, um, it's because the, the cops that get sent un, on undercover operations are the ones nobody likes. <laughs> Let's just get rid of him or her. And, uh, and maybe, maybe we'll find them in a ditch one day <laughs> when their cover's blown. You know, I've, I've, I've heard that. I can also imagine, yeah, you've got this obscure little, I mean, you read books about these things, don't you? some obscure little office that no one knows anything about and people get sent there as a punishment and mm. and you're given a, a tedious job to yeah, take calls. This is the UFO line. Yes, yes, the Peter Principle's dark cousin. Are, are you familiar with the Peter Principle? I'm uh, remind me, remind me of it. So the Peter Principle is that basically one, you know, you, you do a good job at work, so you hmm. get promoted, and you'll do a good job at that, and you'll get promoted, and you keep doing a good job, and you get promoted. Eventually, you'll get promoted into a job that you are not good at. Hmm. because you hit your limit in the last job, but because you did a good job, you got promoted. So basically, you you hit the pinnacle of your career. (laughs) You're going to be shit at your job. (laughs) So so once once you've reached the pinnacle of your career, you get promoted. (laughs) You get Um, promoted, and then you crap. (laughs) Everyone eventually gets promoted to their own level of incompetence. I've got two other um, variants on that. One of them is that... Whatever job you start out doing, whether you're a nurse, a police officer, um, a surveyor, whatever, any any profession you want to pick, a actor. builder, an actor, well, maybe not so much actors, but some, <laughs> whether, whether there's a, a definite job and a, right. and a and a promotion kind of oh, that's um, definitely ladder. Acting. <laughs> so you could be in the building trade, you could be in the in the in some sort of industrial, whatever, but. Eventually, after a couple of promotions, however you started, you're all doing the same thing. You're all going to meetings. You're all you're all doing your emails, reading documents, reading what reading project plans, looking at spreadsheets. No matter where you started, and and even when you're still fairly junior, mm. you know you you you, you stopped doing the job that you actually jo- wanted to do, and yes. do some sort of. It's it certainly managementitis is a big thing in this country, and, and another facet of it is kicking someone upstairs to get rid of someone. Mm. But in the military, for instance, if you had a sergeant who you didn't like in your unit and you wanted to get rid of him, he's he's yeah posted him for a three year posting. How do you get him get rid of him? Um, if you try and demote him or punish him. Um, that creates a stink. That that goes to court martial. That goes beyond your unit. The easiest and cleanest way to get rid of him is to promote him to staff sergeant, and then he'll be posted out to another unit that needs a staff sergeant <laughs> on their establishment, and you'll and you'll have a vacancy for a new sergeant. 
So that's yeah, the kicking upstairs thing. And you, you do meet people who have obviously reached their positions um, via that means. I can definitely see a UFO hot desk being a good dumping point for such people. Yeah. Um, I can definitely see that. Um, as much as, like, you know, I have my feelings about UFOs and, and how valid they are, it wouldn't be a job that was taken seriously by most, I would say. Particularly at the point when it was closed down, like I say, that was... Um, and, and it wasn't ago, part of, for instance... It wasn't, for instance, part of the Air Force or our air defences. Because uh, you would think hmm. they would have some sort of... I know it was MOD, uh, Ministry of Defence. That's as yeah. much as I know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that would make sense. That, you know, it's they, more they the are... administrative branch. Yeah, but like the US Air Force, they're, they're concerned with air defence hmm. and they're concerned about things in the sky that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm surprised um, they didn't take it more seriously, personally. But hmm. there we go. Um, there we go, indeed. Well, um, well, do you know what, Liz? It's worth going and having a look at this. Uh, like I said, you, there's an iPhone app or, an, or iPad, if you prefer. Um, search UFO Files UK. Or if you go to uh, the website, nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash UFOs, uh, that'll take you to it. So have a look yourselves. Let us know what you think. Is it uh, is it just mm, a but... big way of obfuscating information? Is it just a load of crap? <laughs> what do you think about it, Neil? Or, I mean, or somebody who... I think you know, maybe once there was someone who had a bee in their bonnet about UFOs and they had a budget, so they, mm-hmm. they set something up. That'd be Winston Churchill. Possibly. You know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then and then someone else came along and said, Well, this is a load of this is a waste of time and money. <laughs> Let's uh, you know, some someone with a who was looking to cut cut funding wherever they could to claw back whatever money they could suddenly found out about it and yeah then the writing was on the wall well it was uh, it was shut down during something like gordon that. brown's tenure as prime minister yeah i, I can see it as more the, a mundane reason rather than hmm. they found out something here well i don't think at all at all an otherworldly man in, in a black suit turned up one day and no, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. And I think when your country, the, the man at the top is an accountant, yeah, and your government is going to know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Mm. But there we go. Yeah. But let us know what you think about it, listeners. You can let us know via the usual means. You can message us on Facebook or on Twitter by searching Aliens Explored. You can leave a comment on our YouTube channel. And uh, do go and give our YouTube channel a quick like and a quick subscribe. would really appreciate that. You can email us, of course, aliensexplored at gmail.com. And all these links are in the description below, as is the link to our Patreon page, where you can support us even further. So, Hmm. join us next time when we... Oh, I need to look this up. 
because uh, we changed the subject just before we started no, did, recording. Yeah. Yes, and into, oh yes, it's a good one. This. Um, so next time, I get all I get all enthusiastic. Um, we're going to be discussing an event from here in the UK uh, in 1980 mm. when a police officer, a PC, Alan Godfrey, uh, saw a UFO and encountered a UFO in Todmorden. There we go. That's something for you to Google where that is, uh, mm. listeners, in the meantime. So how do you spell it? Is it T-O-D-D? Nope. T-O-D-M-O-R-D-E-N. Tottenmord. All one word. All one word. There we go. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that one. In the meantime, keep watching those archives and the archivists, because you never know what they mm. might be up to. Um, and of course, keep watching the skies. Yeah. Take care for okay. now. Bye bye. Catch you next time. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.